0: Issues, etc. listeners are needed to vote for president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has the right to vote through a pastoral and a lay voter, two voters per congregation or parish. Voter registration must be completed by midnight central on March 19th of 2023. Request to be a voter at your congregation for president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations.
1: lutheran public radio choir with the hymn when in the hour of deepest need we'll be singing that this coming sunday in many churches and it is deeply rooted in the gospel reading for this coming sunday where a canaanite woman approaches jesus have mercy on me O lord son of david my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon he seems to rebuff her at his disciples request but then in the end he says "O woman great is your faith be it done to you as you desire Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin, thanks for tuning us in. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary, the second Sunday in Lent. Pastor Peter Bender is our guest. He's pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, welcome back.
2: Good to be with you as always, Todd.
1: What is the highlight of this second Sunday in Lent?
2: Boy, oh, I love this Sunday. It highlights the complete and total dependence upon God's mercy, upon his steadfast love for us in Christ, over against every other voice or experience that we might uh, encounter in life. Total dependence upon God. There may be voices screaming at us. He's not to be trusted. He's not to be dependent upon. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. None of those voices are true. They're all lies. The truth is that he does love us and he does care for us. And this Sunday highlights that total and complete dependence upon his mercy and his steadfast loving kindness for us in Christ. Apart from his mercy to us in Christ, we have absolutely no right to approach God for mercy or help of any kind. But on the basis of his mercy to us in the promises of the gospel, we have every right to approach him, and not only do we have every right to approach him, but he actually he delights in being approached. He wants us to to wrestle with him, as it were, to hold fast to his word, to cling to it, and to cry out to him. So faith in Christ then is bold on the basis of the grace of God, on the basis of the mercy of God. It's bold and it's resolute because it rests exclusively in the promise of the gospel of God's free grace and mercy in Christ, who is our Savior from all sin, from death, from the power of the devil, and so forth. And so this Sunday is called Reminiscere. That's the Latin taken again from the intro. It is all of these Latin names are throughout Lent. And it means remember. Remember your mercy, O Lord. That's how it gets its title. I use the gospel for this day, the Canaanite woman, When I teach the Lord's Prayer, and the faith with which we approach God in prayer, and a faith that claims the promises of God's Word and clings tenaciously to those promises, and it's a wonderful gospel reading for teaching about prayer.
1: What is the collect for this coming Sunday?
2: The traditional collect for the day, O God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength, by your mighty power defend us from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen." So notice, Todd, how the Collect highlights that total dependence that I just mentioned. We have no strength of ourselves we have no strength of ourselves. God's almighty power, which in the contours of this Sunday's readings is in the gospel of his son. God's almighty power is that which defends us from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. And again, God's almighty power in the gospel. So, We might ask, what are the adversities that strike the bodies of Christians? We should think of things like sickness, physical infirmity, uniquely because of our faith in Christ, persecution, the threat of physical harm, suffering because of our faith in Christ. These are all adversities that strike the body. What are the evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul? And the devil is constantly trying to destroy our faith. He uses the circumstances of life. He's allied with our sinful nature and with the world around us. Other evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul, the covetous desires from our sinful nature, thoughts that come in the form of temptations not to believe that Christ loves us, that he cares for us, voices that attempt to drive us away from Christ and thereby assault the soul. So it's a, a wonderful colic that really collects the thoughts for the day. It really captures this idea of total dependence upon God and by your mighty power defend us from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul.
1: The intro it is drawn from Psalm 25, how does it read?
2: Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust, let me not be put to shame. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, According to your steadfast love, remember me, for your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. So, you notice, Todd, on the basis of the Latin title for this Sunday Reminiscere, how often remember is in this introit Psalm, the selections from chapter 25 of Psalm 25. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. And then according to your steadfast love, remember me. So this concept of remembering is significant. When we ask God to remember us, it's not because he's forgotten us, but we're asking him to act on the basis of his promise. And we're also claiming that promise, and we are remembering that promise. So the two kind of go together. We are remembering his promise to us, and we're asking him to act on the basis of his promise to us. So remember your mercy, O Lord. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. So the introit is the prayer of a penitent who bases the sure and certain hope of salvation upon the promise of the gospel. I think what is um, also notable about this introit is that, as we know, the introit is that prayer from the Psalter that occurs after confession and absolution and so though the absolution has just been spoken in the divine service the faith of the penitent as reflected in this intro it is still always forgive me all my sins for the sake of my dear Lord Jesus Christ who died for me and shed his blood for me upon the cross that's always the faith of the penitent Christian it is for Christ's sake that God forgives sin And it is for Christ's sake, and it is in the gospel of his mercy that he instructs sinners in the way of the gospel. So our approach to the Lord is never on the basis of our merit, and the introit psalm certainly captures that. And this is also the faith of the Canaanite woman, who is a key figure in the second Sunday in Lent and in the gospel for today, daily contrition and repentance would characterize the approach of that Canaanite woman to Jesus in the gospel.
1: The tract is four verses of Psalm 106.
2: Yeah, the very first four verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. So the tract that anticipates the gospel calls upon the Christian and every member of the congregation of the faithful to give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, a goodness that is seen in the steadfast love of the Lord Jesus that endures forever What a great concept. I mean, it is the basis, isn't it, of all Christian prayer, of our praise to the Lord, that his steadfast love, his mercy, and his forgiveness endures forever. We think about that antiphon that we repeat over and over again, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And so the tract calls upon us and every member of the congregation to give thanks for this goodness in the steadfast love and mercy of Jesus. And we cannot sufficiently thank the Lord, Or even begin to successfully utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare his praise. In other words, words fail us to capture the full weight of thanksgiving and praise and glory that is due to our Lord because of his tender mercy, his grace, his loving kindness to us. So in this tract, we have these phrases about observing justice or doing righteousness. What is that all about? Well, the observing of justice or the doing of righteousness is really referring to how the Christian faith rests upon a form of justice and righteousness which is alien to our sinful works righteous way of looking at life. Namely, the justice and the righteousness spoken of here is the forgiving justice or the forgiving righteousness of Christ in his death for the unworthy. That is the ground of certainty for the Christian faith. We'll hear in the alternate epistle for this Sunday that being justified by faith, we have peace with God, that radical declaration of righteousness through faith in Christ, by grace alone and not by works. So this is the justice or righteousness upon which faith bases its life. This is the justice, the justice of the cross, the righteousness of Christ upon which we are bold to approach God in our prayers, by which we cry out with the whole congregation, remember me when you show favor to your people, help me when you save them. And so the Canaanite woman in the gospel for today, which the tract sets up, dared to claim the salvation of God's people, Israel, even though she was a Gentile. So it's a wonderful track that sets up the reading from Matthew chapter 15, the gospel for the day.
1: And we will get into that gospel for the day with Pastor Peter Bender as we look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the second Sunday in Lent.
3: Church music directors can find a new community at Prelude to Postlude, the CPH Music blog. Learn helpful tips for managing music ministry and involving members, and meet the composers of some of your favorite new pieces. Plus, find suggestions of music to use for special services, and preview some of our newest works with free samples you can use at your church. Visit us at Prelude to Postlude.org.
4: I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org slash worship. You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org slash worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Your daily Lutheran Bible class. You're listening to Issues Etc.
5: To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Your Aunt Mabel's church banners are from the 60s. They were quite something in the day, especially the psychedelic bell-bottoms. But now the colors have faded, the tassels fell off years ago, and the hand-stitched letters are skew. Come on over to adcruesome.com and see our beautiful, theologically correct, Christ-focused church banners. We can customize size and color to meet your church's requirements. Visit adcruesome dot com. That's A D C R U C E M dot com.
1: two of the hymn when in the hour of deepest need we're looking forward to sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary with pastor peter bender of the concordia catechetical academy the gospel reading as you mentioned before is matthew 15 beginning at verse 21 through 28 take us through it
2: jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of tyre and sidon so he's leaving the realm of the israelites predominantly into tyre and sidon Phoenicia, the realm of the Canaanites, or Gentiles. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of the Lord. Now, this gospel uh, presents quite a dramatic scene. I mean, here you've got a Canaanite woman. She appears to Jesus. She cries out to him, "'Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon.'" She expresses her faith in Christ, calling him the son of David. She confesses him to be her Messiah, even though she's a Gentile. She confesses her faith in him, her reliance upon him. Her need is great. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She also says here, have mercy on me. Does that mean she's not praying for her daughter? Oh, by no means. But one of the things that I find interesting here is how The demonic oppression that her daughter is experiencing is also something that is impacting her negatively and that threatens her very deeply. And so she cries out, have mercy on me. There is, in terms of Christian prayer, Todd, absolutely nothing wrong with her prayer. She rightly identifies him as the Messiah. She cries out to him for mercy and salvation from the demonic affliction. And what's the reply? He doesn't answer her a word. Then the disciples come to him and they beg him, say, send her away. She's crying out after us. It's, it's as if they're saying, this Gentile woman has no standing here. Get rid of her. And then he seems to agree with them. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she worships him. In response to this negative activity that she's experiencing, she comes and kneels before him. She worships him and she says, Lord, help me. I mean, talk about a brief and fervent prayer as Luther speaks about prayer. You've got it here in this Canaanite woman. And then he answers, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Clearly the children are the children of Israel. Clearly in his words, you're a dog, you have no rights you have no standing. Unbelievable. And instead of lashing out in anger against him, how dare you speak to me that way? She said, yes, Lord. She agrees with him. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Unbelievable example of faith. And when we talk about tests, in the Gospels, or tests in the Word of God, when God puts people to the test, it's not because he doesn't know what their faith is. Quite the opposite. He knows precisely what their faith is. Rather, he puts them to the test that he might reveal that faith to us, that we might see the true nature of Christian faith. And also for another reason, by putting us to the test in this way, faith in the Gospel of Christ is exercised. So, Jesus answers her and says, Oh, woman, great is your faith, not as an act of believing on her part, but rather great is your faith because the object of her faith was singularly focused upon Christ and upon the word of the gospel. So this gospel should remind us of the collect for the day, shouldn't it? The adversities that may happen to the body and all the evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. So look at the experiences that she had, look at the voices that were seemingly speaking against her, the adversity she was experiencing, the temptation to believe these voices that Christ did not love her, that he was not her savior, voices and experiences that all seem to be against her. The gospel reveals to us the true nature of faith. And we see it in this reminiscere gospel from Matthew 15, it is in Christ alone. And it believes no other experience, no other voice, but him and his word. Experience like the ones that the Canaanite woman had, we often have in our lives too. And we often conclude the wrong things, that God doesn't love us, that he doesn't care for us. These kinds of experience are used by the devil to convince us that God does not love us, that we are beyond the hope of salvation in Jesus. Faith never depends upon what it experiences. We learned that from this gospel. It believes only in the promises of the gospel. This woman, a Gentile woman whose daughter was severely demon-possessed, dared to cry out to Jesus for mercy because she believed the promise of the gospel. Clearly, she had heard this gospel. Clearly, she had come to know it from Jesus' own preaching and also from the promises of the gospel in the Old Testament. She believed that Jesus was, in fact, the son of David, who came into the world to save sinners. And he did so according to the promise of salvation made to Abraham. In you, Abraham, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. She's part of all nations. All the nations would be blessed through the seed of Abraham. And despite her experiences with a demon-possessed daughter, and the apparent silence and rebuke by Jesus and his disciples, she would not let go of that word of the gospel. For if she let go of the promises of God's word, then she and her daughter would have no hope of salvation. And so I like to say sometimes that what she experienced in that moment with Jesus and the rebuff from the disciples and his apparent rebuke is nothing compared to the daily adversity that she was under having this daughter afflicted as she was. So Jesus treats her this way for our benefit, so that we might see the nature of true faith and be given an example of how we are to call upon God in prayer, according to the promises of his word alone. He works the same way in our lives. He uses the struggle with sin, the experiences of a fallen world, to strip us of all reliance upon ourselves and to incite us to call upon his word of grace in every trouble. So faith always agrees with, and it always confesses what Jesus says. Even if the law condemns us as little dogs, don't we say that in the confession, I'm a poor miserable sinner. Knowing that even unworthy sinners like little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. So this woman's faith was great because it was entirely in Christ and in the promises of his word alone. And that's the kind of faith That the Holy Spirit alone can work through the very promises to which faith trusts.
1: Pastor Peter Bender is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one year lectionary, the second Sunday in Lent. We'll get into the Old Testament reading next.
3: If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Things above, that's the theme for this year's hymn sing at the Issues Etc. Making the Case conference. The Bridegroom soon will call us. Jerusalem the Golden, Wake Awake for Night is Flying, and a whole bunch more. You don't want to miss it. Making the Case is Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org.
5: Deaconesses are women trained to share the gospel of Jesus Christ through works of mercy, spiritual care, and teaching of the Christian faith. The word deaconess means servant. Find out more on how you can serve in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod through the vocation of deaconess at lcms.org slash deaconess. Working in faith, laboring in love, remaining steadfast in the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. LCMS Deaconess Ministry. LCMS.org slash deaconess.
0: Memoria Press is a family run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com. Do you
3: know the fastest growing religious group in the United States? Is it Roman Catholics? Nope. It's not Protestants either. Rather, it's those who mark none on religion's preference surveys. They don't belong to any particular denomination. They still believe in some sort of spiritual being and reality, but they don't believe and don't claim adherence to any particular religious group. The March issue of The Lutheran Witness picks up the question of the nuns. To learn more, visit witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
4: Real Reformation Radio. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following
1: congregations for standing with us by Becoming an Issues Etc. Congregational Sponsor. Beautiful Savior Lutheran, Milton, Washington. Concordia Lutheran, Sykeston, Missouri. Grace Lutheran, Wichita, Kansas. Hope Lutheran, Spokane Valley, Washington. Mount Olive Lutheran, Duluth, Minnesota. Our Savior Lutheran, Milford, Illinois. Redeemer Lutheran, Scottsdale, Arizona. St. John Lutheran, Ray, Michigan. St. Paul Lutheran, Parkersburg, West Virginia, Trinity Lutheran, Valonia, Indiana, and Redeemer Lutheran, East Englewood, Florida. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. hymn, When in the Hour of Deepest Need, stanza three, the hymn of the day for this coming Sunday. And we're looking forward to that Sunday, second Sunday in Lent, with Pastor Peter Bender. The Old Testament reading is Genesis 32, verses 22 through 32. Take us into it.
2: It is about Jacob, and he is returning with his family uh, to the land of Canaan. And it reads, that same night, Jacob arose and took his two wives his two female servants, his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And the man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched Jacob's hip socket, And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men. Had prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have Jacob. He is on his way back to the land of Canaan. After having served his uncle Laban for many years, he married Leah, he married Rachel, he had their two servants as wives, he had raised and been blessed with a large family. And he is finally returning to the land of Canaan and to the house of his father. He was on his way to meet his twin brother Esau, who had vowed to kill him the last time he had seen Jacob. For Jacob had first taken the birthright that belonged to Esau and then he swindled Esau out of his father's blessing with the help of his mother. And so Jacob is on his way back and he sends the family on ahead and he's left alone. And Jacob's wrestling match with the Lord, that is the man of God with whom he is wrestling, is an Old Testament narrative that is parallel. To the Canaanite woman's wrestling match, if you will, with Jesus in the gospel for the day. So, the Old Testament reading and the gospel go together very well and they illustrate many of the same lessons. Jacob's own version of a thorn in the flesh, if you will, given him by God in the hip socket, would remind him for the rest of his life of his total dependence upon God's grace. And to use St. Paul's language, how God's grace would be sufficient for him in his weakness. And I think that it's the case of the Old Testament patriarchs, Abraham certainly, Isaac, Jacob now, that they learn dependence upon the Lord through the things that they suffer. If you think of Jacob before he set out to his uncles, before he had a family, you could characterize him as a man who had a great deal of confidence in himself, a great deal of arrogance, a great deal of pride. By this time when he returns, a lot of that pride has been stripped from him and crucified. And that's what God does. He works through the struggles, the adversity, the suffering of our life to strip us of all self-reliance that we might learn this total dependence upon him. Surely the adversity that the Canaanite woman went through taught her that. And the adversity and the struggle and the hardship that Jacob went through taught him the same thing. So he calls the place Peniel. Why? Because he had seen God face to face. We see God face to face in this life, like at no other time, when we see him, if you will, according to the gospel of God's grace for undeserving, unworthy sinners, like Jacob. Jacob like the Gentile Canaanite woman who cried out to him for help. Each one of us sees God face to face when stripped of all self-reliance, we learn dependence upon him.
1: The gradual takes us back to Psalm 25 verses 17 and 18.
2: The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. What a lovely short prayer. The gradual, as we know, links together the Old Testament reading for the day to the epistle for the day. And that gradual ought to sound like Jacob's prayer in our ears as we cry out to God in the same way that he did. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. That is essentially the very blessing that Jacob was praying for in the Old Testament reading, and the very blessing that the Canaanite woman was praying for in the Gospel.
1: The epistle is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the first four verses.
2: This epistle is part of the historic set of propers for the day, and Lutheran Service Book also offers an alternative epistle, but we take up this one first Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality is really a description of what it means to then live by faith. Live in the faith that we see evidenced in the Canaanite woman and the kind of faith to which Jacob was brought to by God's grace and the promises of the Lord in the experiences of his life. St. Paul talks about how you ought to walk. You know, walking is the language of discipleship. We walk by faith. You know, the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And so that means that we're called away from sexual immorality to live a life that is sanctified by the gospel of Christ and that does not live in the passion of lust where we live the self-centered life, taking matters into our own hands as the Gentiles do, avenging a brother who may have wronged us but rather that we live in the purity that is characteristic of the gospel that is proclaimed to us. So the gospel takes shape in the kind of life that we live. So this epistle describes the holy life of sanctification in the Lord Jesus that abstains from sexual immorality, that controls the body in holiness and honor, and that lives in God's mercy, in brotherly compassion toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, as I said, it is the historic epistle for the day, and it kind of gives color and shape to the kind of faith that is expressed in the Old Testament and in the gospel for the day that is singularly focused in a total reliance and dependence upon the Lord.
1: We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the One-Year Lectionary with Pastor Peter Bender. This is Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Is your Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation interested in starting a Lutheran school? LCMS School Ministry can help support you through the Genesis School Startup Program. The Genesis Project helps LCMS congregations start Lutheran schools, which include early childhood, elementary, middle, and high school programs. Learn more at lcms.org slash schools. Look for the Genesis School Startup Program, lcms.org slash schools. We'll get into the alternate epistle reading in Romans 5 next. When defending a biblical doctrine or practice, have you ever been accused of not caring for the lost? I've written a column in the latest Issues Etc. journal titled Playing the Mission Card. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Jeremy Lamont recounts his slow and sometimes painful path out of Mormonism to the Lutheran Confession. The free online Issues
3: Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with Parable of the Wedding Feast, Parable of the Great Banquet, Part 1, and Part 2, The Cost of Discipleship, and Lost Sheep and Coin. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordindoors.org
0: or your favorite podcast provider. Issues, etc. listeners are needed to vote for president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has the right to vote through a pastoral and a lay voter, two voters per congregation or parish. Voter registration must be completed by midnight central on March 19th of 2023. Request to be a voter at your congregation for president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations.
1: This is Pastor Van Maron of Peace Lutheran Church, the confessional alternative congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Synod here in South Lakeland, Florida, at peacelutheranlakeland.com. We invite you to join us at 10 o'clock Sunday for divine service to receive Christ and His gifts of life, hope, and salvation. Again, we are online at PeacelutheranLakeland.com. Thank you, and God's blessings.
4: Sanctifying your commute with the Word of God. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is
3: comfortable with new technology.
4: Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatics series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com and like them on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Luther Academy. Absolutely.
1: Stanza 4 of the hymn, When in the Hour of Deepest Need, we'll be talking about that hymn in a few minutes with Pastor Peter Bender as we look forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary. We talked about the appointed epistle reading. There's also an alternate epistle from Romans 5, the first five verses.
2: Yes, when you hear this, given our discussion so far, Todd, I think you can see the wisdom of this choice and how kind of obvious it was given the fact that that Canaanite woman was justified by faith and not by works or standing. So it reads, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us." So this epistle captures so well the faith of the Canaanite woman and the faith of Jacob in the Old Testament reading. They were justified by faith in Christ and therefore they had peace with God and they had access to God by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. We rejoice in suffering as this epistle says because God uses it as he did for the Canaanite woman and for Jacob to produce endurance, character, And hope in Christ that was not put to shame. So we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. And the Canaanite woman was not put to shame. You know her response, I would talk about the miracle of faith that had been wrought in her by the Holy Spirit through the word of the gospel is why she clung so tenaciously to Jesus for to let go of him would be to let go of her salvation. So we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, it did for her. Endurance produces character, we see that in her. Character produces hope, we see that in her, and that hope did not put her to shame. As Jesus turned and said, O woman, great is your faith, for he was the singular object and focus of her faith. And that's the victory that overcomes the world, the Apostle John says in his first epistle. Even that faith that clings to Christ and does not let go of Him. And I think it's important to underscore that this is a miracle. You know, in the Gospels, when these people encounter Jesus who cry out as this woman did, Son of David, have mercy upon me. My daughter is severely demon possessed. Clearly, she and all of these others that fall down and worship Jesus have had an encounter with his word and an encounter that was so powerful that it converted their hearts. It brought them to contrition and to repentance and to faith in him that was a bold faith and that cried out to him in their time of need. And so there's great unity, isn't there, and great harmony in how these propers work together to highlight the power of the gospel and how faith's strength and how faith's consolation is always outside of itself in the object of faith, which is Christ and therefore his word. Because we know of no Jesus except that Jesus who comes to us through the word of the gospel.
1: How would you summarize this coming Sunday in terms of law and gospel?
2: I got to three points under each. Our malady to which the law must be addressed. Number one, we tend to believe what we feel or what we experience in life as that which indicates what our relationship with God is, rather than believing in the promise of God's word as the only source of certainty in our relationship with God. And I think in this respect, Todd, we can acknowledge that right now kind of on an intellectual level. Yeah, We tend to rely upon our experiences. We shouldn't do that we should only rely upon the Word of God. But then when we're going through those experiences, then we really see the unbelieving nature rear its head. We really see the way in which our old Adam and Satan attacks us. And so this is what's so helpful about a Sunday like this, because you have an example there that you can explore in the experiences that this Canaanite woman went through, not only with the disciples and with jesus seeming rebuke but also what she no doubt went through for who knows how long how many years perhaps with a daughter that was severely demon possessed so we tend to believe what we feel we tend to believe our experience but the only ground of certainty is the word of god number two i would say our old nature teaches us to rely upon our position or our status or accomplishments or some other measure of worthiness before God. We see that in the disciples and what they say to Jesus about this woman, send her away, she cries out after us. It's as if they were saying, you know, she has a Gentile and she's a woman. She has no right to approach you. And they really believe that. Now Jesus treats her in this, what seems like an unkind way, not because he is unkind and doesn't care about her, but to reveal the nature of true faith that he knew he himself, by his word and the Spirit of God, had created in her heart. But we do see in the disciples this perennial tendency that our old nature has to believe in our position, to believe in our status, to believe we're children of Abraham, believe in our accomplishments or some other measure of worthiness. Number three, we falter in our prayers and do not hold on to the promises of God's word. We don't wrestle with him. We don't insist upon his blessing when we're suffering under the cross of affliction. And that's what we ought to do. But instead, we give up, we turn away. And that turning away is an idolatry that looks for help and comfort or relief or the answer to our prayers somewhere else but in the promises of God's word. I think one of the things that Jacob learned, as is evidenced in that Old Testament reading, is he really did learn through the afflictions of his life, there is only one source of deliverance and help and comfort, and it is in my God. My God who has made a promise to me, and I don't deserve it, I haven't earned it, I'm not worthy of it, but he made a promise and I'm gonna hold him to it. And that is precisely the kind of faith that we are called to. And that is precisely what we're called to do in our prayers. So that leads us, I guess, into the unique gospel for the day. And the first thing I'm gonna say is I'm gonna articulate that gospel by speaking the words of the Canaanite woman. Dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. That's good news. Are you a dog? Do you feel like a dog? Does the word of God proclaim to you that you're a sinner, that you have no standing before God, that you deserve temporal and eternal damnation? Well, dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And this is the Lord's greatest delight, to comfort, to feed, to nourish us with his mercy. Number two, The gospel proclaims the love and mercy and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus that supersedes any other voice that may contradict or speak against it. So it's incumbent upon the preacher, I think, on this Sunday to extol in every way imaginable that the word of God and the promises of the gospel are absolutely true and that they are more sure and certain than the promises of any other voice or any other experience, they're more sure and certain, Luther would say, than the sense of life itself. And that's my third point. The word of the gospel is more sure and it is more certain than the sense of life itself. So the gospel proclaims the love and mercy and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus, and it supersedes any other voice that may contradict or speak against it. I think, Todd, that's what the hymn of the day when in the hour of deepest need captures as well all these kinds of themes that we've been talking about. You know, when in the hour of deepest need we know not where to look for aid, when days and nights of anxious thought no help or counsel yet have brought, then is our comfort this alone, that we may meet before your throne. To you, O faithful God, we cry for rescue in our misery. For you have promised, Lord, to heed, your children's cries in time of need, through him whose name alone is great, our Savior and our Advocate. And so we come, O God, today, and all our woes before you lay, for sorely tried cast down we stand, perplexed by fears on every hand. O from our sins, Lord, turn your face. Absolve us through your boundless grace. Be with us in our anguish still. Free us at last from every ill. So we with all our hearts, each day, to you our glad thanksgiving pay, then walk obedient to your word, and now and ever praise you, Lord. I thought reading all of those six stanzas of the hymn of the day was just so appropriate as they captured the Old Testament, both epistle readings, and the gospel for the day, and the unique comfort that we receive from what Jesus gives to this dear woman.
1: Pastor Peter Bender is pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, thank you. Thank you, Todd. Thursday on Issues Etc., we'll talk with Dr. Gene Edward Vieth about the conservative and Christian resistance to Hitler. We'll discuss studying God's Word in the Christian home with Pastor Joshua Hayes, and we'll respond to your email and the Issues Etc. comment line. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening.
4: is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.
5: In a world awash with all sorts of information, opinions, and ideas, there is still a place where God's Word is the central and only focus. Messiah Lutheran Church, 801 North Madison, Lebanon, Illinois. At 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, God's people gather there to listen to Him. There you will find His words of law and gospel, and of course, our Lord's Holy Supper. Bible classes focus on the Bible and the Lutheran confessions. Come, listen, believe, and live, and check out our website at messiahlebanon.org. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023 24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal J. Krause, J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E, at M-E-L-H-S dot org. J. Krause at M-E-L-H-S dot org. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, President of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Lutheran talk.
3: The cause of our salvation doesn't
2: lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his son to live and die and rise again for us.
5: Lutheran music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org.